0: I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com.
1: This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven.
2: Chris and SP. Welcome to an all-new episode of the Official Gonna Geek Show. With me, of course, I'm Steven, by the way. With me, of course, is
0: Chris. Howdy, everyone.
2: And also joining me is P. S.
3: Please call me SP. It's Monday night. I am stoked to be here with you guys tonight. I I really am. It's been a fun week. It's been a fun weekend. Maybe we'll get to some of the shenanigans as we go through the show. I know I have a lot of great news points regarding space, which is my love and passion. I know you guys have love and passion in your news stories, too. So I just can't wait for the show.
2: All right. I have a little rant off the top here that I want to go ahead and get off my chest and just say Nintendo. Your backup solutions are garbage, complete garbage. You have made my son very upset. And the fact that your game did not automatically backup, even though you introduced the feature and you used a different protocol than the rest of your backup services, for shame, Nintendo, for shame.
3: Let me ask you this, even. Ask. How old is your son?
2: He's of a younger age.
3: A younger age. So would you say under 10, under 12, somewhere in there?
2: He is somewhere between the ages of 1 and 14.
3: Okay. Did he cry because he lost his games?
2: Multiple times. He absolutely did. All right.
3: Nintendo, you made a little boy cry. I
0: hope you're proud of yourself. Yeah, I'm sure they're real sad about it in their piles of money.
2: You bring up a very good point. (laughs) All right, on that note, let's go ahead and go to the news. All right, let's kick it all off with an update that comes from San Diego. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego, Chris? Which is German for the
0: whales. Never mind. I can't make that reference on this show. But watch Anchorman if you don't get it. So San Diego Comic-Con, we all know in 2020, it was postponed because of the pandemic. And we're coming up on 2021 now. And this summer was supposed to be Comic-Con. Everyone was starting to get excited going, hmm, maybe we're actually going to have it. Yeah, the pandemic continues to bear its ugly teeth and say, no, no, no. No Comic-Con for you. But there's a catch this year. They have said, the folks that run San Diego Comic-Con, that they are going to be doing the Comic-Con at home again during the traditional time frame for Comic-Con. That's July 23rd through 25th. But they are also going to attempt in November 2021, as we record this, to do an in-person Comic-Con convention. The gathering in November hasn't been updated, excuse me, hasn't been dated yet, but the organizers say that they plan for it to be a three-day affair as well. They issued a statement and said, At this time, we are still working on specific details as to attendance, capacity, badge cost, and related information. So why is this important? Well, let's go back and say when they canceled San Diego Comic-Con 2020, the organizers said those who had purchased badges for the event had the option to ask for a refund or transfer those badges to the 2021 show. With things moving to November, that might be another wrinkle. And therefore, folks, so the Comic-Con International folks have now said those badges will automatically be rolled over to 2022's con unless the badge holder requests a refund. So it would appear if this November event actually happens, it's separate from anything you've already gotten tickets for and badges for before. So it is nice to see that we are doing something with Comic-Con, both in person and similar to what we had last year.
3: Uncle Chris, Uncle Chris, Uncle Chris, I have a question. All right. Will the November event be in San Diego?
0: The assumption is yes, but I don't believe they stated that explicitly
3: yet. I have a theory that they are using this as leverage to move to another location, say, Las Vegas. Mm,
2: That's interesting. That is a very interesting theory. And I could see that because I was just about to dog on November as a date. And the reason why I say that is because the Vancouver, if if you don't know this, I live near Vancouver, right? And the Vancouver Fan Expo, the big Vancouver uh, convention, has up until I think the most recent year, which would have been pre-pandemic, I believe, um, maybe they didn't even manage to do do it, has been in November. And then they went and they moved it to a more reasonable Uh, when you would expect to have a convention. And I don't know if they did that or it was pre-pandemic. Anyways, for a long time, it ran in November. And everybody said, why don't you go to that? And I go, have you looked at the list? And second, that list is going to change because everybody's going to cancel out because it is a history. It's at the end of the year, it's the tail end. You have all these celebrities that have other things going on like filming television shows So you basically end up with people who are filming in Vancouver at that time because everybody else's schedules don't allow for it. And and they're not going to sit there and have an exhausting work week and then go and do a convention as well. That's why the traditional convention months work so well is because they're in between like TV shooting and things like that. And so it really is an odd time. And I think this is what we're going to see because from what we're seeing with the development of... um uh vaccines and and sort of the cycle that we're seeing with with uh entertain the, the entertainment industry and whatnot I think we're going to see 2021 to 2022 is going to be a more traditional t- TV year which means all of these actors and actresses that are tied up with TV shows are going to be back in a regular filming uh schedule during that year and they're not going to want to do that because they're probably reaching the end of of their um mid-season filming and then they're about to go for their wi- their winter break before they start filming again. It- it's in November. I think this is going to be a
0: disaster. You, you assume they have a choice when the mothership says you're going to go promote our product. You're going to go promote that product. And it's not unheard of. The cast of Arrow left Vancouver, flew out on a private jet altogether to go do Comic-Con events and then flew back at the end of the weekend to continue filming. So it's not unheard of. But regardless, I don't think this is actually going to happen. It's all well and good to talk about it maybe happening and stuff, but I would be surprised. And even if it does, I don't expect it to be like the full-blown Comic-Con experience. I think we're going to be talking about some smaller panels, potentially an artist alley and some vendors and stuff. But remember, Marvel, DC, they all do their own events now. They don't rely on Comic-Con to do these things anymore. So they'll do their own thing.
3: Yeah, Disney has surprised me because in the last couple of months, they've gone to the Disney Investor and the conference, and they've had a bunch of announcements there. That was last, winter. I forget if it was November, December, I think it was December, that they had that, and they just completed this past week their first panel at the Television Critics Association Winter 2021 Tour, which a lot of stuff dropped there as well. There are other opportunities to make announcements and to make big splashes right now because of the virtualness of everything. I, I can see that. However, where Comic-Con usually was in July, you guys hit it the nail on the head. It was right at the beginning of a lot of the television screening. So they could, they had access to all the actors and their schedules. So they could bring the talent there for promotional events for the weekend. In November, you still have that, but it depends on if they are late in their filming because at that point in time if you're late in the filming you gotta film because you have product that is due at a certain point in time so we'll see what happens there i still stand by my thinking that if california rules persist las vegas is a much more affitable location for this convention in november also Remember, this week, Spider-Man made the announcement that they will be in theaters only in December. Now, we'll see if that holds, but that is Sony's announcement right now. I think the entertainment industry is thinking later this winter, we're going to be back to normal. We might all be wearing masks. We might all still be social distancing a little bit, but we're going to be back to normal operations. I think there's a little bit of wishful thinking, but that's where they're going.
0: I think wishful for sure. Going back to actor availability, let's also remember one thing this pandemic's proven. You can have people call in and Skype to a panel, and the fans are pretty much okay with that. So even if they're busy because they're filming, it could be, hey, everyone's taking a break for this one and a half hour long block because we have a panel in Comic-Con. So it it is the new nature of the beast is it's far easier to bring people in, even if they're not there in person.
3: In 2011, I was in Hall H at CNEU Comic-Con, and I saw a panel about, what was that Aliens movie that was being produced at the time? I I can't remember the name, but Ridley C. Scott was up there on the screen, Skyped in, it was Skype back then, Skyped in from on location across the world. So they've done it before and they've done it for years. I think they'll continue to do it.
2: Well, I look forward to our future news segment where we talk about how this was canceled.
3: Uh, moving on to the next news. You mean the Gonna Geek Show? <laughs>
2: That I thought too. we were already canceled. That's true. We canceled ourselves. Actually, this is our our final season. Which, by the way, reminder: this is our first season. This whole this whole thing. So we don't know how long it's going to run. But when's it, our mid season <laughs> finale, Stephen? Uh, oh, that's true. We should probably get there before we do. We do our you know our back maybe half that of the should podcast. be
3: <laughs> our holiday special this year. Is the Get a Geek mid season finale? <laughs> Oh, that's way too long. Way too long.
2: All right. Let's go talk about this next thing here, which is about Xbox. I was so excited to read this. It looks like Microsoft is putting the final touches on the Xbox game streaming app for Windows PCs. This is going to include access to the X Cloud service. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, Steven, I thought Chris did a wonderful segment that talked all about streaming to an app that was available to Windows users and elsewhere. And you would be right if you had thought that, because that's absolutely true. Chris did an amazing job with that. But did you know that apparently the Windows users cannot stream properly with the Xbox Series series? So I don't know why, apparently. That's, that is allegedly the case. I can't confirm it because I don't have an Xbox Series series uh, device. And so I... I cannot confirm this, but this is what they say, and that the app that is coming out will now support that, but it will also support xCloud. That, that xCloud is that cloud-based gaming that Microsoft has been working on. So this is going to be available on PC users, which is interesting because it also will include some tablet integration. So that's going to also be included in there so that you will have full touch support, as well as you will have access to gyro support. Not sure what that is. I'm sure Chris will tell me in a minute and tell me why I need to know about that. But this is coming soon, allegedly.
0: So some games do support touch gameplay because they've already got this working on Android. And the beta of the iOS web version is currently working as well. But there are some games when you go and look at the Game Pass repository, for lack of a better term, where it will say touch-capable, and it is games where the touchscreen works to be able to manipulate things. And for instance, Gears of War 5, they did an update so you could play on the touchscreen on your cell phone, which is kind of cool. So some stuff does allow you to not have a controller connected to whatever device you're playing on. That being said, you're probably better off playing some of these games with the controller.
1: Mm.
2: So I'm curious then, from that perspective, will it support... A controller into the touchscreen device through an adapter or something like that. Cause a lot of like the touchscreen tablets and stuff don't have USB yeah. ports or,
0: or do they? They have full size USB? They'll have full or many and you can put an adapter on it. But you got to remember, most of these controllers you have now, like if you buy an Xbox or you've bought an Xbox in the last five years, your controller's Bluetooth. So you can just pair it with your tablet via Bluetooth. Oh, and problem duh. solved. Whoops. So yeah, that th- th- was obvious. Where they- yeah, that, that's where the problem is solved. Same with like a PlayStation controller or a Switch Pro controller, things like that. Those are all Bluetooth anymore, so you don't really have to wire a controller. However, comma you can wire your controller into your tablet or phone at this point in time if you wanted to.
3: I know Bluetooth works on the console, and I don't know what sort of latency mitigation that they put on there. I'm wondering if that same latency mitigation would be on a tablet and I would think that latency would be a huge issue with a controller. I know it's an issue enough with headphones as you're trying to edit. That's I tried that. That's not going to work.
2: I think there. you've tried that, right, Chris? Uh, haven't you tried it into your phone through
0: your uh, controller? Yeah, I've done my phone through the controller, and I had the same experiences with Google Stadia and things like that. Via Bluetooth, the difference was negligible. It's not going to be quite the same as if you were using the Xbox proprietary wireless connection on the device between excuse me, your Xbox and your controller. But it's mostly negligible, and they kind of are able to offset as best they can. Your real problem is going to be if your internet connection isn't beefy enough, that's when you'll start seeing bigger problems than the latency inherent and in having a Bluetooth connection to your phone, which is then connected via the cloud to a server
3: somewhere is It connected to the cloud via Bluetooth and you don't need internet connectivity?
0: No. So the way the Xbox model works is you either wired to your phone or your Bluetooth connected to the phone, and then the phone relays that signal pretty much back to the server. The Stadia model, if you remember when we talked about that, there were two different ways to play, Technically, three. You could be hardwired to your computer, Bluetooth to your computer, or you could connect your Stadia controller to your Wi-Fi so that it is communicating directly with the server in which you are playing but they are not doing something like that with any of the other cloud solutions that i know of i don't believe microsoft or sony are doing anything like that or any of the uh, cloud-based gaming that's come to the switch doesn't work that way either have you done much x cloud in recent not in recent because what's the point Mm. in all honesty because if i want to play xbox i'll just pull up my xbox and play I may try it out when the uh, iOS version works because playing on your cell phone is good in a pinch. And I could see that working if you're traveling and you're playing somewhere. But sitting on my couch and playing on my cell phone, not really the experience I want to have, but being able to prop my iPad Pro up and play that way, that's on what, an 11-inch screen then? That could be an interesting way to experience some of these
3: games. I've got an idea. Chris, why don't you ship me your Xbox series, whatever, and try to play it remotely mm. from your location. I think that why, would be why? a legitimate test.
0: But I could just go outside my house and connect to the no. no, no. It, it, and it would it be so much way. safer
3: to send your Xbox mm. to me <laughs> in order to do that.
0: It certainly would. But how about you just buy yourself an Xbox, and then I'll try and remote play it.
2: <laughs> I did you know. read there was lots of availability <laughs> this weekend at different retailers. I had read oh. that.
3: There Microsoft was?
0: Store had them in stock this weekend.
2: So. Are they
3: like a thousand dollars? Is regular price, uh, like a thousand dollars? That's not regular
0: price. Cut that in half,
2: and still far cheaper than the phone that you bought.
0: Fair,
3: <laughs> <laughs> fair.
2: All right. Well, let's move on to the next news point, which is news points, and it's space news part one. What do you got, SP?
3: There's a lot going on in space, as there has been for the last couple of weeks. It's not because I've been paying attention more. There is literally more happening in space. So let's take these down one at a time. We're going to talk about two items right now. The first, we're going to talk about the SpaceX SN10 Starship prototype launch possibilities this week. So SpaceX has continued preparations for its Starship SN10 prototype test launch at its, get your drinking games ready, Boca Chica development, and the launch facility. The company was given the green light by the FAA for the test flight on February 19, 2021, as we discussed last time, following an investigation into the safety surrounding the SN8 and SN9 test flights that both resulted in vehicle RUD, or rapid unplanned disassembly. SN10 conducted its first rocket engine static test fire on Tuesday, February 23rd at Boca Chica, This test showed an issue with one of the three Raptor engines, and the engine was swapped out. Now, I'm going to take a little tangent here. There's been an awful lot of issues with these Raptor engines, so I am now concerned about their viability going forward, but we'll leave that to another day. So SN10 conducted a second successful static engine test fire on Thursday, February 25th at Boca Chica. On Sunday, February 28th. Starship SN10 had its flight termination system installed, a key indicator of an upcoming flight. As we record this, there are notums or notice to Airmen, and Boca Chica Village community notifications on Tuesday, March 2nd, and Wednesday, March 3rd, indicating a possible test flight. Although, there are a lot of reports via Twitter that the test flight will not come earlier than Wednesday, March 3rd. Here's hoping for a successful flight and landing for SN10 this week at Boca Chica.
2: Uh, I have kept t- tally, so has Chris. And Chris, my numbers are show five. What does your tally show? Five. All right. So you got five this time, Boca Chicas. So uh,
0: I hope six. Oh, it does
2: me. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if we can get you up in your Boca Chica game.
3: Seven. For the record, I do not have all the names of Boca Chica in the show notes that I plan Six. to use from now on. So you guys have to be on your toes about how many times I use the name Boca Chica. All Seven. Right. <laughs> Moving on. NASA released a short statement last week regarding the SLS green run test originally scheduled for February 25th. Quote, during checkout preparations over the weekend, engineers determined that one of eight valves, a type of valve called a pre-valve, was not working properly. This valve is part of the core stage main propulsion system that supplies liquid oxygen to an RS-25 engine. During the first hot fire, all four liquid oxygen valves performed as expected, as did the four liquid hydrogen valves. NASA and the core stage lead contractor, Boeing, will identify a path forward in the days ahead and reschedule the hot fire test that was originally scheduled for February 25th, unquote. Now, why is this important? Now, NASA had been operating under a deadline to return to the moon by the end of 2024. Each delay, such as the ones that we are seeing with this green run test, puts that goal at more and more risk. And this past week, acting NASA Administrator Steve Jerzak recently stated that the 2024 deadline was no longer realistic given the lack of full Artemis program appropriations, including the human landing system, which NASA has recently paused the selection process for. So, guys, I don't think we're going to get back to the moon in 2024 as we originally hoped. SpaceX might be able to pull it off, but I don't think that they really are interested in it, other than if it's a test run to go to Mars.
0: I heard Suncast is going back to pick up the lollipops I left for him.
2: Well, I would like to just state right now that I can say with 100% certainty that we will not be going back to the moon because we never went in the first place.
0: Ooh, Conspiracy theory time.
3: You know, <laughs> May an asteroid fall on your house. <laughs> well,
0: Suncast is going to shoot a rock from the moon to Steven's house.
3: Rod's from God. It's a concept that's been known. By the way, it is illegal in all the space treaties to uh, attack from space. Just to be clear, it It, is international.
0: Suncast coughed and lost control. Exactly. It's it was an accident. It wasn't an attack. It was a space accident. accident.
3: (laughs) Is it going to be an accident when it falls on your house? We'll find Steven. out. We'll find That's out. That's covered
0: under the act of God clause of his insurance. I assume. <gasps> Can I just say that would make a really, really
2: good mid-season finale? If I if I died due to space debris on this podcast,
3: it'd right? It'd be like, a nice cliffhanger could, in the exactly. middle of a in the middle of a Christmas party, just like you know, an arrow like we used so, to have.
0: So we'll have a four-hour-long episode that the fans have asked for after they made a different episode, and then there'll be a giant cliffhanger at the end that'll never get resolved because they're not making a sequel to our four-hour episode.
2: Hint, I went below the dumpster. Um... (laughs) a walking dead reference
0: <laughs> i was ripping on the snyder cut because that's my shtick currently
2: all right well let's go on to the next news point here which brings us back to game territory and it's some updates from pokemon you forgot the accent over the east sorry you go ahead and, and say that and no, i won't I'm, fix the sidebar i'm bar. not worried
0: about it. uh <laughs> so This last Friday, it had been announced that Pokemon was going to, excuse me, Nintendo is going to be doing a Pokemon Presents event. And during this event, they highlighted the fact that Pokemon is almost 25 years old, went through the history of all sorts of things that have been going on with the franchise, be it the different cartoons, the card game, Pokemon Go, the various other games coming out on different platforms. We did, however, get two game announcements coming out of this. We'll talk about the first one which is the Pokemon Company announced remakes of Pokemon Diamond and Pearl during this video. The remakes will be called Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pokemon Shining Pearl. They're due to arrive in late 2021. So what makes them different? Well, these remakes are going to retain the game's aesthetics, supposedly, but they're going to be updated to have a different kind of style and look. The sense of scale of the original games, towns, and routes have been carefully preserved, according to the Pokemon Company You'll be able to choose from the original three starter Pokemon, Turtwig, Chimchar, and Piplup. And the legendary Pokemon for Brilliant Diamond is Dialga with Palkia returning for Shining Pearl. What this effectively is, is a remake of Diamond and Pearl, like we mentioned. It is on the 15th anniversary of those games originally coming to the Nintendo DS. What they have done is basically pretty them up, made them look very similar to what you saw in Pokemon Sword and Shield. If there's one thing we've learned, Pokemon gamers and fans will gen will tend to buy just about any kind of game that the Pokemon company puts out, so I'm sure they'll sell quite a number of these copies of a game that was originally released in 2006 in Japan, 2007 in the United States. as the fourth gen Pokemon on the Nintendo DS. But hey, for a remake, I think it's kind of exciting. It gets folks like me who are a bit older who have nostalgia for the traditional Pokemon games, or at least the older games, a chance to replay them and have them look a little prettier and nicer. And I'm sure Nintendo will continue to confound me when it comes to how they handle their cloud backups by saying Pokemon games are not eligible for cloud backup. So if your Switch gets stolen or broken, your Pokemon save games are gone too. I don't get it. I really don't get it. They're just afraid we're going to cheat somehow.
2: Can I ask you, um, what was... What's your biggest attachment to the Pokemon games? Is it the balls? Do you like to play with the balls?
0: I like to play with the monkeys.
2: Okay, fair enough. Uh, I honestly never really had ever played a Pokemon game before Pokemon Go, and, and I've never played it in the last like three or so so
0: this is very different than pokemon go just to clarify this is like i understand that think of like final fantasy kind of games like old school jrpg kind of things it's very much similar to older style japanese rpgs but with battle monsters instead of having parties that you put together
3: so chris i have a question when's the last time that you cheated in a pokemon game
0: define cheating because i did trade pokemon back and forth between my own games so that i could start off with some of the harder to find pokemon this is like ages ago we're talking like pokemon red i traded a bunch of pokemon up to like pokemon what was it gold or or whatever the uh nintendo it was still a game it was the game boy advance game i can't remember which one but i did use my game boy color to trade game to trade pokemon of my own capturing to one of my other games which is not technically cheating but makes the game a lot easier because if you really wanted you could trade them to begin the game and have your level 99 charizard just wreck face throughout the game don't don't know what that that. means not fun
3: yeah i don't know what that means but was that the last time you cheated at pokemon i don't know if
0: i've ever actually cheated at pokemon i've never like done the game breaking hacks or anything that the people have found to do stuff there's an overabundance of caution The Nintendo has, that they think people are going to cheat by somehow allowing people to save their games in their cloud servers, somehow get in there and modify those games and then do weird stuff. I don't understand it. It just really frustrates me. Which, don't they control the cloud servers? Yes, which is why I don't understand the argument of them not allowing cloud backup on Pokemon games, especially in today's world where you're getting to the point where people have been transferring their Pokemon from games they bought when they were kids. So we're talking like, pokemon red yellow and blue potentially on the original game boy that they've been moving along between all of these different devices to now try and put them on their switch and if something happens to the switch they're gone spoiler alert in the past if you trade your pokemon to the game they were saved on the cartridge itself and cartridge failures are rare let's put it that way hardware failures much less rare
2: which brings us back to the top of the show <laughs>
3: <laughs> and I mean, a crying yeah. youngling.
0: <sighs> which, I way, would probably thanks have, cry.
2: thanks for having my back on on giving Nintendo shade for that. Both of you, I appreciate that. You
0: you rolled with it. Thank well, you. The, their save game model has always been weird, especially when they went to the Switch. Which is this is not unheard of. Which is, pay for our cloud service, you'll get cloud backups, but they limit what you can do. And for those that aren't familiar, if you have a PS4 and a PS5, if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber you're able to back up all your save games to the cloud. And if you own an Xbox one and up, you get free cloud backups, meaning that anytime you're done save, done playing a game, it syncs in the background to Microsoft servers as linked to your gamer tag. So for instance, when I got my Xbox series X, I logged in and said, Hey, I want to play Halo. It pulled my save game down from the cloud. And I restarted the game I hadn't touched in two years on a save game. So That is much nicer and more convenient. I'm not necessarily opposed to people charging for it. I'm opposed to Nintendo's weird model of saying no cloud backups on Pokemon games and weird, obscure, different ways to do backups with your Animal Crossing games. It should be a one solution does everything versus, well, you're hosed if this crashes and this you have to remember to turn something on because we didn't have it at launch. Well said, Chris. Well said. I'm off my soapbox now. Nintendo is evil. No, no, they're not evil. They just still <laughs> don't understand how to use the internet properly for their stuff.
2: You know what? I will just say this, Nintendo. Listen to me right here, right now. You could take Sony's place as Chris's favorite console if you would just fix your backup.
0: Um, I still play
3: my Switch more than most of my other <laughs> consoles right now. <gasps> but still. So you wouldn't have any problem mailing me your Xbox Series X? <laughs> <laughs> but then I don't have a,
0: a, a 4K Blu-ray player anymore, so I can't do that. Yeah, I got to have my 4K Blu-rays. All right, well, let's move on to the next news point, which
2: is Space News Part 2.
3: Yeah, a bunch of people were talking about this this past week. Matter of fact, I, at work, I have a, a young lad that works for me. He just started working for me a couple of months ago, and he was so excited when this news came out. He ran up to me and he said, SPSP, said, what? There is a secret message on the probe that NASA sent to Mars. I'm like, so? He's like, did you know about it? I'm like, no, but I knew it was there. It's like, how did you know it was there? Because the guys at JPL, they do this sort of thing. He said, prove it. So here we go. Internet sleuths claimed to have cracked a code hidden in images from the Mars 2020 mission Perseverance rover and Ingenuity helicopter landing roughly two weeks ago. NASA hid a secret message. On the parachute design and colors in binary code. During a news briefing on Monday, February twenty second, Alan Chen, the entry, descent, and landing lead for the mission, confirmed in the briefing that there was a hidden message in the red white pattern on the interior of the parachute, and he dared the public to decode it. The rover might even be hiding other secret messages in addition to the team motto on the parachute. Chen told The Verge, "Quote: People can't resist putting a little personal touch in their work." But the vast majority of these will never be known, even by me, unquote. He said, NASA Perseverance chief engineer Adam snelchner tweeted on February 22nd. But it looks like the Internet has cracked the code in something like six hours. Oh, Internet, is there anything you can't do for those who just want to know? Hashtag Mars 2020. Hashtag countdown to Mars. And he put a picture up there which was basically using different shapes and patterns on the parachute fabric to represent different numbers, the team at NASA was able to display the message in binary computer code. The message, quote, dare mighty things, unquote. It also embedded in the message are the geographic coordinates for JPL, which if you're interested in, it's 34 degrees, 11 minutes, 58 seconds north, and 118 degrees, 10 minutes and 31 seconds West. That is the coordinates of JPL, you know, just in case you want to do it. And Steven is showing up on the screen, a wonderful rendition of both the graphic with all of the letters and numbers on it, as well as the parachute, as it showed in the video that we all watched last week. It was, it was lovely. You know, when I saw the thing, I, I, I knew the design. I was like, yeah, that's Yeah. I was thinking hexadecimals. I wasn't thinking binary code. You know, the Martian has kind of ruined me on that. But yeah, OK, JPL, I, you're a bunch of nerds over there. I get you. I heart you.
0: You've got to go to the next level. You decoded the first level of the message. you got to get to the second level, which says Suncast, Lollipops, Compartment 6A. <laughs> so he knows how to get his refresh.
3: you got to get in and out before the uh, picture is taken, right? Mm-hmm.
0: You think. That we're picking up
3: samples.
2: What it is, is he's just depositing little canisters of lollipops individually. He's got to go and sure. collect them all. It's like an Easter egg hunt.
3: Yeah, as the, mar- as the rovers go around, they're just popping them out like poops yeah. and stuff exactly. on the Martian River. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, piece of candy. Which, by,
2: <laughs> by the way, can I just give what my thoughts were when I heard about this code thing? I'll tell you wh- where my mind went. I'll wait the half hour for the internet to tell me what the code is. That's where my mind went.
0: (laughs) You're not wrong. I had a similar thought. I went, huh, the internet will crack this later. I'll check Twitter.
3: (laughs) So the lad that started working for me all of a sudden has all sorts of passion of moving out to California and working for JPL. To that, I wish him well. So there was also another graphic, and it's not really a code. It was a graphic that I thought was great. I saw it, and I was like, oh, cool. I posted it in our Discord server. So this is what happened. NASA's Perseverance rover on Mars is carrying an adorable family portrait of Martian rovers. Now, Mars... Is also nicknamed, by the way, the Planet of the Robots, because that's the only thing that's alive there is robots, at least that we know of. So, anyway, the Planet of the Robots now has a vehicle with a family portrait style bumper sticker. Now, Steven, you're a family man. Do you have one of those family portraits on, like the Star Wars figures or something like that?
2: No, for a few different reasons, but um, largely because it's a bad idea to put it on the back of your car. I'm assuming that's the thing you're talking about, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. D- well, there are the magnets, which is a bad idea because it'll scratch your paint, but this is the stuff that you put on the windows, the little bumper sticker you put on the windows that you see around. Anyway,
0: I've seen those ones. The best one's the one with a TIE fighter that says the Empire doesn't care about your stick figure family blowing like, them up. Yeah, that one's great. Or the <laughs> Batman ones that Think Geek made that was Batman crying in front of two headstones. <laughs> oh,
3: I have not seen <laughs> His that parents one. parents are dead. That's rough. That's a rough one. <laughs> I have seen a meme in the last couple of weeks that were like, Oh, cool. You figure out your son wants to be Batman. And then the next thing is, oh, you figure out your son wants to be Batman. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, continuing on in raw images taken from Perseverance, a small plaque featuring the lineup of all successful NASA Martian rovers can be spotted. The first is Sojourner, which landed in 1997 as part of the Pathfinder mission, which was featured on The Martian, by the way, the movie The Martian, which I had to watch over the weekend. The twin Mars exploration rovers Spirit and Opportunity that landed in 2004. The next one is the Curiosity rover from 2012, which is basically the same platform as Perseverance. Also, there was a Perseverance and a little ingenuity flying up behind it from the Mars 2020 mission. Now, these messages aren't the first to be sent by NASA JPL to Mars. I mentioned that at the beginning of this news story. In 2012, it was revealed through a picture of Curiosity rover's tire treads that the pattern dot dash dash dash, dash dot dash dash dot dot dash dot dot, and if you're wondering what I was doing, that was Morse code, by the way, spelled out G- JPL in Morris code. So JPL has literally been stamping its mark into the Martian soil since 2012. I don't know if you guys remember talking about that before or not. So the dashes and dots are more than just an autograph on the ground. They serve as a visual odometry marks, which allow Curiosity's engineers to determine the position and orientation of the rover, as well as how far it has traveled by analyzing images of its tracks. So there is actually a scientific reason for putting something like that on there. But of course, the JPL nerds went, we can stamp JPL on the Mars. Yeah, that'd be great. So they did.
0: (laughs) I can dig it. That's good.
3: So in the future, I've been doing this every week now, coming up in space of notable in space. First of all, let's talk about the SLS Green Run Core Stage Test at Stennis Space Center. We talked about that being delayed. It was supposed to be February 25th. It is now supposed to be sometime in March. We'll see. It could slip to April too. The SpaceX Crew 2 mission is still slated to launch on March 30th. And no, this is a change since last week. No earlier than April 2nd, 2021, Boeing's CST-100 Starliner OFT-2 test will occur. Now, there was an eight-day delay caused by a power surge during the final checkouts on the spacecraft at Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Technicians swapped out the avionic units affected by the power surge, Boeing said, but we continue to ensure product safety of our spacecraft and we are addressing any emerging issues in a timely manner, unquote. To that, I will say, Boeing, have you seen the video of the 777 over Denver? Okay. (laughs) NASA said the power surge was caused by a, quote, ground support equipment configuration issue, unquote. So yes, we are now delayed until at least April 2nd for that test. Now, NASA, this is something we talked about uh, probably about a month ago, by the way. NASA's award for the Option B downselect of the Human Landing System, or HLS, for the Artemis program, and Artemis program is NASA's program to go back to the moon, we is now slipped sometime, and we'll just say April, May-ish. There's no date. There's no line in the sand on that. The current competitors is Blue Origin, Dynetics, and SpaceX. They're going to go down to two with the option B with that down select sometime later the spring or summer. Now, Starliner CST-100 crude flight test is still scheduled for June 2021, pending the success of OFT2. And as Stephen always wants to see, James Webb is supposed to launch October 31st, 2021. So those are some key dates coming up for the rest of 2021.
2: I am happy to hear that they've officially canceled the James Webb telescope. That was really nice of you to work that in at the end there.
3: I don't know if, if they canceled it, if they would save money that they could throw into the Artemis program or not. And honestly, I don't know long term if that would be beneficial to their budget line or not. I'm saying I, I think not. I think the science that we've gotten from space telescopes far outweigh human exploration in the last 30, 40 years.
2: You know, I was obviously making a joke about that, but Suncast in our chat, which if you didn't know this, we stream this show live on Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern time at Geeks.Live. We have Suncast asking an interesting thing. Is confidence in Boeing slipping? And, you know, I I think that's interesting to think about just because SpaceX has had so many, like they had a lot of losses, but they've still been on track, right?
3: Okay, let's go. Let's run this down. Because okay. I wasn't gonna talk about it run this it week, down. but let's run this down. So the seven thirty-seven Max recently returned to flight and there was a bunch of pushback from that. Everybody said it was safe, you know, the the higher ups they flew on it, whatever. But the airlines themselves have come out and said if you find yourself now slated on a Boeing seven thirty-seven Max, we just like in in the COVID times, right? We will automatically change your flight free of charge to another airplane. So public doesn't want to fly in an airplane right. that has crashed. And Oh, by the way, we haven't talked about it, but there was a triple seven that dumped half of its engine cowling on top of a truck, a pickup truck in the suburbs of Denver a couple of weeks ago. And it was on fire. It was shut down, but on fire. And there was dramatic video of it. It was incredible video. I am totally, in awe of the pilots, by the way, this, I think, was a harsher landing scenario than the Miracle on the Hudson, by far. So, congratulations, guys, for bringing down that 777. But, oh my gosh, for everybody, because if you lose that engine, if that engine comes off, you lose the grab, the central gravity, the aerodynamic center of the plane, and it becomes uncontrollable, and you're going to lose it. So, keeping that engine on the pylon saved that plane so there's that there's the SLS core stage which has not been doing great right now in the green run tests so that's their space stuff and their OFT failed their OFT1 failed so you've got some major failures within Boeing in the last couple of years we talked about them as they've been happening but this is a big knock on Boeing in its entirety and I'm kind of surprised the stock is doing as well as it has because there is no confidence in Boeing at all right now. So,
0: so lesson learned, if you're going to fly domestic, make sure it's on an Airbus right now. Fly Airbus?
3: Well, or a regional jet, you know, that's an RJ that's not a Boeing or something like that. Yeah. I I love flying on Boeings. I always have. My first jumbo jet that I flew on was a 747. I was, um, long story short, I was working for Northwest Orient Airlines, and as an incentive flight, I got to go up in the cockpit of one as we were doing a flight test as it came out of depot maintenance. That was really fun. Uh, Airport 77, always loved that. Again, the 747 in trouble. sevens, uh, the most luxurious airplane I've ever flown on. It's just incredible what they've done in first class on that plane. I have not flown on a 737 MAX. I don't want to fly on a 737 MAX. Uh, But Boeing has made some nice to fly in airplanes. I worry about the mechanics behind it. And I'm a rocket scientist.
2: Well, I look forward to the day that you tell us all about the new airline that is a space airline that you're going to be making called SP's House of Airline. Flying apparatuses.
3: You you joke about that. Now it was kind of funny. Over the weekend in my de- as I was going through some delirium this past weekend this is a longer story. I was thinking in terms of so SpaceX, they're flying out of Boca Chica right now. There's another one for you. If, for instance, you wanted to fly out of the Kennedy Space Center, what's the easiest way to transport it? You take off and then you land. At Kennedy Space Center and it's totally doable you just go up Mm. higher right yeah and and uh, yeah I think you're going to see a lot more of these deliveries that people have been joking about this for years and it's kind of a quasi joke that you can you can have something delivered anywhere on the planet in about 45 minutes 90 minutes depending on orbital period and stuff like that yes you can it hasn't made sense until now Mm. but if you're repositioning spaceships to launch out of more advantageous locations. Say the SpaceX uh, uh, sea launch capability that they're uh, creating right now out of the oil rig. Say you want to launch out of that. So where do you store? It's not an aircraft carrier. Where do you store all the space? You fly them there and then you fuel them up and then you take off. I think we're going to be seeing more of that. I think it has been an unstated plan of SpaceX but I see it happening.
2: That's cool. That's, that's neat. All right, well, let's go to the last news point here, which is a short one and just something I had to um, muse about here. And it's about Snoop Dogg. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Snoop Dogg on here. I came across this article that apparently legendary rapper Snoop Dogg has a very rigorous streaming schedule. He quite often streams games and has been doing this for for quite a while. Well, apparently on February 28th, he got a little bit upset at Madden, and he left after saying some expletives. Uh, I won't quote them on here, but it had an F and an S involved with it. Fudge. Yes, that's true. And he ended up getting up and leaving because he had been very, very angry at his gameplay. He basically just just blame the game like any good gamer does and so he left the room and oh, maybe anger. wait a minute
3: what was his controller connected to the internet by Bluetooth it was the, been. was the latency the issue that he it was having problems been. it okay. was
2: probably also he was already a little heightened because he lost his Pokemon save data as well so I mm, might be bad well.
3: too <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo, you screwed up Snoop Dogg. Way he was to go. Pro-
0: he'd probably been blazing, too. So. <laughs> so so, he was mad. And so he he, he uh, left
2: his Twitch stream. And you'll notice, I say that, that he left his Twitch stream because he literally left. He didn't shut it down. So apparently it took him seven hours to realize, because he was probably blazing, like Chris said, uh, it took him <laughs> seven hours to realize he was still streaming. And you would think that, Streaming nothing would do nothing. But no, apparently he did peak at a hundred thousand live concurrent viewers watching this stream of nothingness because he just got up and left. And so it went on for seven hours before he came back and shut down. So I thought that was an interesting little story. And it also reminded me of of something else that I wanted to also quickly mention here, which was an incident from, from the weekend. So my kids are all into watching the YouTubes and the things like that. And those people who do those video game videos and things and and those random YouTube videos. And so they uh, apparently watch these YouTubers that must make a lot of money because I've had to talk about expensive cars and I've had to talk about how no people's houses aren't usually that big and no you can't go to your large pool and fill it with bouncy balls and you can't do all of these other things and yes they they literally asked me about about a Lambo.
3: Have you gotten them a subscription to the Rob Report? No. Okay, that might help.
2: Okay. I'm not sure what that is but sure. Uh I don't know what that is. The Rob
3: report. R O B B Rob report. It's a, you look it up. It's a magazine.
2: Okay. So I did not. Um, however, uh, maybe I will. Uh, anyways, no, they, they they're very interested in this. And so, uh, they apparently started to say to my wife, they go, Hey, dad's a YouTuber. And then they said to me, so why aren't you rich? (laughs) <laughs> so that's what they said to me and, and this is what this reminded me of because I don't do it and I said to them it's because I don't do anything that gets huge amount of traffic like these guys do or just stream for seven hours of nothingness being Snoop Dogg I mean, we can try yeah. a
0: seven hour stream of nothing if people want <laughs> we could we could we'll just it'd have pro- looping animated gifs out of the Gunna Geek show on there
3: it'd probably be removed from reports from I don't know who but yeah, I, I don't see us some, being able to stream for seven hours.
0: Someone would have to watch it to remove it. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. Don't worry. My daughter, she subscribes now. So she would turn it on and then she'd say WTF and then she'd be it.
0: There you go. Well, now, speaking of, we need one more subscriber on YouTube, please. We've been stuck at 666 oh, yeah. subscribers for a little while. <laughs> I love so it. So please, if you haven't subscribed, please uh, get us at least one ball over that bump. <laughs>
2: So anywho, that is uh, the situation. Snoop Dogg, seven-hour stream of nothingness, and I love every second of that. (sighs) But that's going to take us towards the end of the show. Before we wrap up, let's take a moment to talk about
0: what we've been doing of late. Let's start with Chris Farrell. I play video games, I podcast, and I go to work, and I repeat that pretty much every day. This is the life I live now.
2: Nice. And how about the podcasts. What sort of the podcast do you do?
0: Oh, I do this, the, uh, going to geek.com show and also the all things good nerdy show where we talk about the latest geeky news out of the past week. And I will plug this now, not this upcoming week, but two weeks from now will be the return of unprotected advice with (gasps) Willie Nelson. We do have some submissions that came in on our discord. I will keep our submitters anonymous, (laughs) but if you want some advice for one, William D. Nelson, please uh, hit me up on Twitter or Discord with your requests for advice.
3: SP is saying that's a bad life choice (laughs) if you're going to make it. But if you're already making bad life choices, maybe some advice from Willie will help.
0: So I will give Willie credit on this. He doesn't treat it as a joke. He he takes it seriously. And he may occasionally crack a joke while giving some advice. But I don't think Willie has given bad advice at all in this segment. And I've given him some really weird stuff to try and get him to do something weird in response. And he's been on the up and up with it. He takes the responsibility of not wanting to screw people over who would take his advice in Mm. this regard.
3: Does he ring a bell after he gives advice?
0: Uh, Only occasionally. I don't know if he still has said bell or not. Oh, wow. There you go. Thank you, Steven. No problem. That was for you, Willie. Uh, Bell buddies for life.
2: (laughs) SP, what have you been up to of late?
3: Well, I've had a lot of really exciting things happen. First of all, I got to give it to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's been really fun these past couple of months. We've been podcasting on WandaVision. The final is this week. I'm going to release the penultimate episode to WandaVision. Here are our coverage of it just in, a, in maybe a day. Our podcasts now drop on Wednesdays if you want to get the latest and greatest. But we have the finale coming up, and there is so much wrapped into and possibilities into these 50 minutes of this episode. I can't wait for it. A lot of fun stuff happening over on Better Podcasting as well. We've had a couple of marquee episodes over there. So if you're interested in podcasting, starting a podcast or continuing your hobby podcast, check out over there. And by the way, I have guested on several podcasts lately, which has been a blast I still have that audio drama which is coming up at the end of the month and I will give the podcast name next week the episode won't be out until the end of the month but there's a teaser if you want to find out what podcast I am acting on literally acting on you'll have to wait until next week and as a secret I have recorded a podcast on a Disney property
2: Mm -hmm. I'm really excited
3: for that to come out. So there's another tease for you.
2: That's a very large umbrella there that you just teased us.
3: Yeah, I mean, you put umbrellas in your tropical drinks, right, Stephen? That's true. And the bigger the umbrella, the bigger the drink.
2: So for episode 367 of the official Guinea Geek show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying, hey, look, guys, I got my to-do list from the weekend. Might as well tear that up. Spent the whole weekend working on trying to fix my son's Nintendo.
3: You know, Stephen, you still have to do those items that you just tore up. I'm SP.
0: <laughs> I'm Chris, reminding Stephen that if he was YouTube rich, he wouldn't have that list.
2: Sorry, I gotta go pick up the
0: pieces to the list. SP brings up a really
2: good point. Bye.
3: <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>